Well, hello, and welcome to the Creative Mental Health Podcast, where we talk about the intersection between creativity and mental health. We have all noticed that the most talented people on the planet tend to have some extra baggage. And we're so curious as to why that is. Why are our most brilliant creative geniuses often our most troubled? What's the connection between creativity and mental health? So this is our first episode. It's completely an experiment. We're not really sure what we're doing, but we'd love it if you join us for the journey. Brandon Reich, how in the heck are you, sir? I'm really good. We've been talking about doing these shows for a while and it's caused me to really step out of myself and look back and and try to be objective about some of my problems and some of my issues and some of the things that frustrate me and just get a really a, a different perspective on all of them. Mm. And I think uh, a few things have been coming to light lately that have started to ease a lot of those issues and have allowed me to look at them and be like, here's what's actually happening. Mm. This might be why that's happening. And the why is pretty massive. But here's what's actually happening. The If you can take your PTSD goggles off of the situation, which somehow I've been able to take some goggles off of the situation and look back on it and be like, oh, I see what's happening here. Mm. I don't know if that means it's a good or bad time to discuss a lot of this stuff because right now I feel like I'm in a much better headspace. And I think we've done some trial runs uh, here and there. And I would say that I was probably in a more negative headspace. But with that said, I'm starting to realize I was in a negative headspace for the past 15 years of my life. So, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, me too. It's been 24 probably for me. But yeah, I'm right there with you. We've experimented with making this show a couple times and it's been a blast. But I'm with you. I'm in the best place I've ever been in my entire life right now. But I'm coming out of the darkest season I've ever had. Yeah. And... We'll get more into this as the podcast progresses, but long story short, when COVID hit, I, my, my wife kicked me out and I had a seizure and then I had a bunch more and then I got hospitalized and got diagnosed with PTSD and got into therapy and did EMDR and started to remember really gross stuff about being an altar server at a Catholic church. I remembered an attack, but I also remembered running away from this guy after the big R and a woman helping me escape. And so I told the police about this, and the detective on the case went out and found this woman, and she went on the record and corroborated my story. So I'm sitting here, okay, that happened, and I can be sure of it because there's a witness, and now I'm looking back at like my past, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know what PTSD was until a month after I got diagnosed with it. I didn't really figure it out. And now I look back and I was having flashbacks, nightmares and night terrors and like little tiny seizures all the time. And I thought it was just me. I thought it was like normal. I'd react intensely for seemingly no reason if somebody got in my trigger zone. And for me, it was mostly if someone's behind me and to my left, because that's where I realized like this dude was chasing me. So this isn't like a crime podcast per se. Basically, I'm a creative. I've been a mastering engineer and a podcaster and a singer-songwriter. And I always thought I was the only uncrazy creative that I knew. And I found out that's not true. I've got 
more baggage than most. So I'm trying to understand this and trying to wrap my head around my own past and my own trauma and how it affects me in the current. But also at the same time, I work with creatives every day. And I'm trying to understand them too and try to understand like why the genius is so burdened and what's going on there. We got to pause it. Listen, man. Too much? No. How do I say this? I can't compete with that. (laughs) I don't mean it in a funny way, though. (laughs) My dad was mean. (laughs) No, but listen, it's. Did you listen to the serial podcast? No. I've almost listened to it like 17 times and I never got Dude, around to it. Listen to me. The woman who runs that name is Sarah Koenig. Okay. And she ran this story. It was the biggest podcast in the world. And it was about this crime that had happened, this murder that had happened among these high school kids back in probably when you and I were in school. They were mm. pretty much exactly our age. So it happened in 1997 or something. So she then retracts the entire case. And she goes to the place in Maryland where it happened. She goes through the whole thing. She tries to figure out if the time that kids said they were there. Mm. Anyway, she's done a couple other ones. I am sitting here listening to you say this, and I hear her voice telling your story (laughs) and walking through all of this. And the thing about that serial podcast is and the same thing with making a murderer. Mm. The series, the content itself reinvigorated interest in so many things. So the laws that keep did you watch Making a Murderer? No. <sighs> Dude. Oh wait, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. That so was the, wild. So the laws that are keeping that guy and then the kid, Brendan Dassey, I forget the other guy's name, in jail, they don't make a ton of sense. It's very clear that Brendan Dassey they elicited a confession that yeah, wasn't real. Yeah, they manipulated him to create this confession. So it is exposing these issues and shedding light on this stuff. By the time this episode drops, uh, it, it's possible that this will be national news because I'm coming forward, I'm using my face and my name, and there's a particular news organization here in Ohio. They've interviewed me like 17 times, and they've interviewed like everybody who has any information about this at all. So I'm sitting here waiting for that to drop because I know when it does... I'll have enemies, and but I'll also have allies. But let me bring this back. I think this is about creativity and mental health because I see a pattern. My job, I'm a business coach for creatives. I've worked with Amy, Grammy, and Tony winners. Been really lucky professionally. But what I see from where I sit, having worked with creatives my whole life, is a common thread of trauma in all of them. A common thread of... Something happened that you haven't worked through yet. And that's the reason you're making art. You're trying to work through it. And I think that that's really great. It's really, really helpful. But I think we as a creative community need to come together. We need to move towards let's deal with our trauma. Because what I found is that in the midst of processing my trauma and getting healthy again and leaving that dark place, all of a sudden I'm it's like I've unlocked all this extra creativity that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. And I'm so much happier. 
And it's not like I'm making less art. I'm making 10 times the art I used to make. And I'm at least 10 times more happy with it. And it's more therapeutic now that I'm making it from a place not of denial, but of just like leaning in, doing that next scary thing, talking to that next person. And, and so for me, I'm an adrenaline junkie with it. And so I live in the state of Ohio and Ohio has the worst laws in the entire country if you're a victim of a priest. And I'm going to change that. I'm going to change the laws in Ohio. So I've started meeting with politicians, with people at the state level, and just letting them know, hey, this article is going to drop, and I have a witness, and when it does, everybody that's wondered, can you repress something like that and then remember it years later? No one's going to wonder if that's a thing anymore. My story proves it. And... So I'm processing that, but at the same time, I, I take a lot of solace and a lot of encouragement in talking to you, talking to other creatives that are just have deep, dark, intense stuff that they never really finished working through. And it gave them superpowers. It yeah. gave them these creative superpowers. But yeah, man, so there's this guy, Connor, this friend of mine, and Connor and I were hanging out the other day. And Connor asked me a really hard question. He said, how is the worst thing that's ever happened to you the best thing that's ever happened to you? And that really messed with me. That really, like I'm starting to look at my trauma and starting to not want to, I'm getting past mourning what happened to me yeah, and trying to, to channel it into something cool. And <laughs> perfect example is my kids and I watched Batman Begins the other day, my two sons and I, and we're watching Bruce Wayne deal with the bats, the bats and how he had associated bats with the death of his parents. Yeah. And then he channeled his trauma and he kicked ass and he provided an amazing service to society. And there's this idea of channeling trauma. You know, like at first it was rough, man. Like he wasn't channeling it well. He's like breaking into jail in China and fighting people for fun. Like he was an unhealthy dude. But as he got healthy, he turned into a superhero. That's cool. And I think that there are so many creatives that would benefit so much just from like, hey, I had some messed up stuff happen when I was a kid. I'm going to go to therapy and try to work through it and make art about me working through it. Like to me, that sounds like the most appealing thing in the entire world as a consumer of art. I want to see someone processing their trauma and working through it because it's in that struggle that there's the humanity that I can relate with musicians and artists and photographers and you know, that I, I can see something beautiful and see the grid in it that is not this like polished whitewashed tomb everything's perfect like we airbrushed everything out no i like the grit and i think that there's there's a big opportunity there for creatives as a whole for there to be a cultural shift i want to hear you talk this out and i know i'm in a, i'm killing our flow here but i'm trying to process this right now because you need your time to really explore what you've learned specifically mm. like you need time for specificity and and i feel like i am going to be able to offer more broad strokes of the inherent pitfalls of a creative mm. occupation 
Well, let's talk about you. One of the reasons I love hanging out with you is you're one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my entire life. You started a rock band when you were like a kid, went on tour, got signed, decided you didn't like it, and then became the most accomplished band merch designer on the face of the planet, and then quit that and became the creative director for Grammy-winning band 21 Pilots and a whole bunch of others. That's, you know, a thing about creativity. Do you think it's interesting because I had things and I threw them away and then it started over yeah, again? Yeah, I do. It's <laughs> fascinating. You were on tour with Papa Roach or something like that, like yeah. getting ready to go on the Warp Tour. You did it. You, you, you achieved the dream and then you went and did something cooler. Well, it wasn't what I wanted. That's the toughest thing. That's, that's the thing that people roll their eyes at me the most is mm. that you mean the correct chronology of that is that you were a kid obsessed with art. And then when you were 12 or 13, you and your friends started a band. Mm. And then luckily enough, that band became successful locally. And then we signed to a label. All the while, I'm still just obsessed with doing art. And then with the band, I find a way to do art for my band, design logos and T-shirts and everything for our band. And then before I know it, I'm designing for all the other bands that we tour with. And then I'm making more money designing for the other bands that we tour with than I am actually being in my band. <sighs> so it's it sounds like Brandon was a rock star, then he quit it to be a graphic designer. No, I was obsessed with art my whole life, and I got this really cool little section of my life that I got to be in a band. Mm. But after I had felt like that was not exactly what I wanted, because the other thing that was exactly what I wanted was waiting for me. It was just, I just was obsessed with getting back to it. I mean, if anything, it is just a testament to how much I truly love art and design. Mm. Like um, being able to create stuff all day, every day. That's always been kind of the safe space that I've wanted to return to. Mm. And then, you know, by the time I was done with the band, which was really only around 23, 24 years old, um, that was when I really turned it on to see professionally just how much work I could do in a day. And if that amount of work um, could support me and my you know, wife at that time. So, you know, I'd been with my with my now wife since I was 16 years old. We got married when we were 23. And so then around 22, 23, I was really challenging myself to does this make you enough income to get married and mm. to move and to have an apartment or to buy a house, et cetera, et cetera. So, because I very much wanted to prove to myself I could do, I could have a great job just like anybody else, but I could do figure out a way to do it on my own. Mm. And doing it on my own, you know, it's, I was actually with a friend this morning or this afternoon, and his daughter, who's like 11 years old, she's really into art. And I told him, when you see her in her bedroom drawing, that there's nothing that can compete with the experience she's having right there. She's creating something out of nothing. Yeah. She's, she's into like anime type of characters and she's drawing these anime characters that have never existed before. They exist in her brain and she's drawing them um, right there on the paper. She's creating something from nothing and the possibilities are endless in her brain right mm. there. That power of her curiosity and her focus and her obsession and everything that's going on with her that is the thing that you should forever be chasing. Art feels so good. 
and it helps, but it also often leaves me feeling empty. Some, at least it used to a lot before I really begin to deal with my trauma. And we know that there is some connection between creative genius and trauma. We know there's something where it, it's the, in, the interesting people, the gritty people who have had some crazy unique experience who seem to make the most interesting creative work. But at the same time, we see creatives reactivity, their habit of exploding in each other, of the band breaking up, of people getting offended and thinking that the whole world's out to get them. We see this happen again and again and again and again. Why? And I think that's a conversation that I could have for the rest of my life of, because it ultimately comes down to what is art? It's got something to do with mental health. It's got something to do with trauma a lot of the times, not all the time, but it's got something to do with a tension, an unresolved tension about what it means to be a human, what it means to feel, what it means to process your emotions fully yes. without barfing all over the people that you love. Yeah, this art is the way I'm currently processing my yeah. emotions. So to wrap us up, if you guys like this conversation, if you want to be a part of it, if you want to see us make a lot more episodes, there's something you can do to show us. We don't want to waste anyone's time. We don't want to make a podcast for three people. If this is something that you want to see more of, there's one thing that you can do that would really just change everything for us. Write an iTunes review. Open up your Apple podcast app and write a review. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, that's fine. Write a review wherever you can. But right now in podcast world, one of the biggest, most important things that you look at to see if a podcast is worth pursuing is do people like it? And right now, the main way people do that is reviews on iTunes. So if this is something that you are interested in, make sure you subscribe. We don't have a second episode scheduled yet, but I'm sure we'll do at least one more. Write us a review on iTunes. And if you, if you think this is a conversation that we need to have as creatives, what's going on at the intersection of creativity and mental health? So this has been the Creative Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chris Graham. I'm Brandon Reich. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. We hope you're doing all right. And we hope that you get some therapy <laughs> and have some creative breakthroughs. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.